So we're in the series called Unsung Heroes, and the whole idea of this series is to slow down a little bit. As we read the scripture, so often it's easy to read a name or to read a, a contribution by someone and not stop and think about who they were and what their contribution was to the grand narrative that God was writing. We're calling it Unsung Heroes because these are people quite often, like the person we're going to look at today, we don't even know their name. Right? And, and the, the one thing that becomes very clear, and, and what I'm hoping that you begin to pick up on this, is these are just ordinary people. As Martin said to us last week, ordinary people who are infused with the Spirit of God and walking in obedience with God become extraordinary people. Right? The takeaway is that there is an unsung hero in all of us. Right? And so the question isn't whether or not you can have an, uh, an impact. The question is, will you? have an impact? Will you do what God wants you to do? Will you step out and take a risk and do what God is calling you to in in order to have the impact that he wants you to have? So one of the questions I want to start with today is the question is this, where is God asking you to step out in faith and take a risk? Where is God asking you to step out in faith and take a risk? And, And the interesting thing when I think about this question It could be as simple as a conversation you know you're supposed to have, an intentional conversation. Maybe it's a conversation of healing, of something that's gone on in your family. Maybe it's a conversation of faith with somebody that you know, I just need to sit with them and tell them a little bit about what I believe. Maybe it's it's a conversation. Maybe it's a career change. Maybe it's God has nudged you over and over to do something, and you have decided, I'm not sure I want to do that. It's interesting. We have a group of people that meet before the service and pray for you. And one of the things that they heard this morning from the Spirit is that there are people who are are hesitant to step out in faith. One of the words they heard was that there are some people who need to take a risk. One of the other people heard that some people need to begin to serve where they know God is calling them to serve so that God can do what God wants to do in their lives. So that was without them knowing what I was going to preach on. They were already there, already praying for you and already sensing. So where is God asking you to take a risk? One of the guiding principles of this entire series and really of how we do church is that you are created by God. You are God's workmanship. You are God's work of art. You are God's poem. And God has created you to do a good work that he has prepared in advance for you to do. That's Ephesians 2.10, according to Doug. Okay, that's the Doug translation. Ephesians 2.10, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do a good work which he prepared in advance for you to do. Those good works are going to be the most life-giving thing you can do. As you discover what you are made to do, what God has purposed you to do, and you begin to do it, that is gonna give you hope, that is gonna give you a sense of, of belonging, a sense of purpose, but it's also where you will become the hero that God has called you to be. All right, so grab your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 5, 2 Kings chapter 5. While you're looking for that, I'm going to give you just a little bit of context of of what's going on in this story. So this is a time in history when the the kingdom Israel has been divided, and you have the, the northern kingdom called Israel, you have the southern kingdom, which is Judah, and this is exactly what we saw last week. If you remember when Martin was talking, he said that because of Solomon's disobedience, the kingdom would be divided. But not only is the kingdom divided, but the people of God continue to drift further and further away from God. They continue to do things more and more in their own way. They continue to to be more sinful in their behavior. And when that happens, God brings chaos into the people's lives. God is allowing incredibly great difficulty 
to, to happen to the people of, of Israel for the purpose of waking them up and, and helping them to turn back to him with all of their hearts. And so this is a life principle that you can hold on to. Maybe this is your takeaway from today. But anytime you decide to do things in your own strength, anytime you decide to do things your own way, you will experience chaos. It's not, it's not a maybe, it's a, it is a guarantee. Isaiah 50 uh, tells us that if we go ahead and light your own fires, light your own torches and find your own way, and it says you will lie down in torment. So if you want to, if you, if you have a lot of chaos in your life, maybe the question is, is where, where am I out of God's will? Where am I doing things my own way? And why am I experiencing all this? It's God's way of bringing you back to him. So 2 Kings 5 I'm gonna start with verse one. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with, with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went and told his Lord, who's the king, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 changes of clothes, and he, and he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which reads, when this letter reaches you, know that I have sent you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends word to cure a man of leprosy? Only consider and see he is seeking to quarrel with me. Verse eight, but when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel tore his clothes, he sent, he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. Verse nine, so Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house and Elisha sent a messenger saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry. He was angry because he expected a, a, a proper greeting for a man of such stature. But he was angry and he went away saying, behold, I thought that I, he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hands over the place and, and cure the leper. And not Abana and Parafor, the rivers in Damascus, better than all the waters in Israel. Could I not have just washed in them and been clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Verse 13, but his servants came to near and said to him, my father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down, he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Now, if I had more time, what I'd love to do is uh, unpack all of the different characters of this story. There is something for us to learn from Naaman 
There's something for us to learn from the king. There's something for us to learn from Elisha. There's even something for us to learn from Elisha's servant, which is a part of the story that I didn't read. All of these different characters, there's something for us to pull away from. So my homework for you is to read the story and ask yourself that question. What, what can I learn from each of these characters? And remember, when someone behaves uh, in a way that we, that it's easy for us to say, wow, look at how bad that person was. Look at, the better question is, how am I just like that person, right? When we see people acting out, you're going to get a lot more value out of that by saying, Lord, show me how I am like this person. So if you read about Elisha's servant, it'd be easy to say, boy, that guy was a real doofus, right? Or you can say, how am I just like Elisha's servant? So, so read it, and then when you get together in your C group, C groups are those groups that meet beyond the weekend in living rooms, whether they're here at the church or in homes. When you're meeting together, that would be a great thing for you to just read the story and process a little bit about these different characters. But today, our unsung hero is the little servant girl. Let me pray for you, and then we'll unpack that. Lord, thank you uh, for the story. Thank you for the week that I've had just reflecting on this story and how you've used it in my own life. Uh, I pray in these next few minutes uh, that, that you would speak, that it wouldn't be my words, but that the Holy Spirit would speak to each and every person in this room. I pray that a word from you would go forth. I pray that those words would be seeds. I pray that those seeds would take root, that those plants would grow and bear fruit a hundredfold. Lord, we pray that we would leave different than we came because we've sat in the presence of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a lot we can learn from the slave girl, but the fact of the matter is we really aren't gonna grasp the enormity of, of what she did for Naaman unless we engage our imagination, unless we enter into the story, and if you will, try to put yourself in this little girl's shoes. And as you do that, ask yourself, how would I have responded? How do I think I would most likely have responded if I had gone through the same situation, the same circumstances of this little slave girl? Her story starts in verse two, if you want to look at it. It says, now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl. Easy to read that line and kind of uh, miss the gravity of the situation. This little girl lives in her community. Most likely, it's just a, an extended family. In the ancient world, most small villages were just a, a huge extended family. There was usually a patriarch and all of his, his, his descendants who all lived there. And if they weren't all related to her, they were certainly all, <coughs> excuse me, known by her. This would have been people that she was close to. Right, And so uh, the, the, the idea that the village was raided is another kind of, I don't know if there was ever a time in history when raids weren't horrific, but in the ancient world, they were horrific. People were murdered. People were killed. And the idea was to instill as much fear in the villagers as possible so that there would be as little resistance as possible. So whatever happened, it, it, and it, it, it's, as much as you can engage your imagination, you picture that just that horrific scene of a village being raided and, and people you love being killed, right? And you are taken from your village and you're taken to a new land where you have to learn a new language, where you have to learn new customs, you have to learn everything new. You're now separated from everything you knew and everything you loved, right? And you are a slave. Now, if we just stop right there and we just consider what this little girl endured and you just think to yourself, if this little girl was bitter, who could blame her, right? 
right? If she was angry, who could blame her? If she had vengeance as a part of her desire against these people who kidnapped her, who could blame her? And even if she rejected God, the God of Israel, right? The all-powerful God of Israel who allowed her family to be slaughtered and, and her to be taken into captive. If, if that were her disposition, who could really blame her, right? I have a, a, two friends, they're siblings, and uh, I pray for them often, uh, but their mother uh, was taken from them because of drug addiction, and their father was raising them, and their father was killed in a car accident. And they were both very young when this happened. Uh, and they don't walk with God. They know all about God. Their, their dad was a, a devoted follower of Jesus, and they know all the right things. But uh, they struggle to f- see God as good. They struggle. And when I spend time praying for them and thinking about them, I can empathize with that, right? I, I understand why that's so. Now, I pray that God will break through that. I pray that God will show them that, that, that he's good in spite of what they've been through. I'm, all I'm saying, and the reason I bring that up is, is it's okay for us to realize it makes sense when someone has been through those kind of horrific circumstances that they struggle with God, that they struggle to navigate that God is good. But That's not the way it is for this little girl, and that's what makes her so heroic. There's something very beautiful about the way she responds. Look at verse three. She says to her mistress in regards to the leprosy that her captor is suffering from, she says, would the Lord, my Lord, talking about Naaman, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of leprosy. Now, without pausing, without stopping and contemplating, it's easy to miss the beauty of these words. There's only 19 words in this quote. This is all she's known for is this quote, the little slave girl, but there's so much embedded in these words. The first thing she shows us is this picture of faith, right? It's a beautiful picture of faith. She says, he would cure him. I love how just positive she is. It's not, hey, this might happen. If, if There's no maybes or could be's or mights. It's, it's, if only he saw Elisha. Elisha, through the power of God, would cure him. She has childlike faith. It's a beautiful thing. And again, who could blame her if she didn't because of all the things that she'd been through? Who would, could blame her if she were like, look, I don't know, God hasn't done anything for me, but maybe you should go there and maybe he'll do something for you, right? But she didn't. There's this beautiful picture of faith. Her faith is not conditional. Can I just tell you this? If, if your position is, God, if you would just do this or if you would just do that, then I will have faith. Then your faith is conditional and conditional faith is not faith at all. Right? Her faith is unconditional. She shows this incredible amount of faith, and then she displays great love. She actually has a desire for her captor to be healed. If you look at the words, it's almost wistful. There's there's something really soft in what she says. She says, would that my Lord. I picture her life, she's saying, Man, if only he had a chance to be with Elijah. Man, it would be so awesome if she had a chance to go see the prophet Elijah. It's, a, it's something that she is wishing for and hoping for this man who has oppressed her. Love is displayed in the desire for what is best for the other person. When we desire what's best for somebody else, we are loving them. 
So she shows great faith. She displays incredible love. And then she offers him forgiveness. <clears throat> Excuse me. She offers him a solution to his misery. It's a, it's a fascinating thing. She actually offers the cure for what is alien. And, and if I were in her shoes, I think I would be thinking to myself, I hope leprosy takes this man. I hope, <laughs> I hope he lies in torment. After all he's done to me, after all he's done to my family, we, we don't know if he's the one that raided the village or not, but it doesn't matter. He is the commander of the army that raided her village, and she is not hoping bad to happen. She's hoping for good, and she is offering the solution. She is becoming the very blessing that this man needs. So th this is what I want you to hear, church. The, the true sign, whether or not there's forgiveness is in, your, in your heart, is the desire to bless the one who hurt you. The true test of whether you have forgiven someone is your heart's desire to bless the one who hurt you. And it starts with praying for that person. I actually think the praying for them is much easier than what happened here. So I can pray for somebody that's hurt me, and sometimes my prayers are a little jaded because I'm like, God, you know I don't like that person. You know they're yada, yada, yada. But hey, if you want to bless them, go ahead and bless them. <laughs> because I'm supposed to pray that you bless them, so just, if you would, bless them, right? That's, all right, I'm sure it's just me, but that's how my prayers sometimes go with people who hurt me. But man, what God says to you, okay, I'll bless them, but I want you to be the one to do it. I want you to go. I want you to be the one to say what needs to be said. I want you to be the one to give what needs to be given. Man, the stakes just went up a hundredfold, a thousandfold. Like, no, no, I didn't say I wanted to have anything to do with it. I just thought you to do it, right? It's a whole different picture. But, but she's the one that brings the blessing. Now, here's what I want. This is a good place for us to stop again and just maybe this is your takeaway from today. Who comes to mind when I talk about this? Some of you already know. Some of you have already pictured, oh, I'm not praying for that person. I'm not going to that person. And here's what I want you to just, I just want to encourage you to give it up. As Martin has taught us along the way, sometimes we need to leave something here and take something with us. The thing you need to leave here is your unforgiveness because it is a cancer and it is killing you. And it keeps you from experiencing all that God has for you and all that God wants for you. How different would this story be if unforgiveness were in this little girl's heart? So, so just give it to God. And, and sometimes it's, it's just important to say, God, I'm gonna give you this, this situation and, and ask him, what do you have for me in exchange? And God's gonna give you something better than what you're carrying. There's a goes around on Facebook, I've seen it all over the place actually, but there's a saying that says that refusing to forgive someone is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And it's true, it's toxic, right? It takes us out of the game. All right, so one more thing about this forgiveness because I just feel like it needs to be said probably every weekend. Uh, this includes political figures. So if your desire is for the demise of the current administration, there is unforgiveness in your heart. If your desire was for bad to befall the previous administration, so I just do that to make sure that we're all included in this. I'm not talking to any political party. I'm just telling you 
that if you cannot pray for the sitting president and pray that God would bless him, then we've missed the heart of the gospel. If we pray for bad things to happen to anyone, including political figures, then we've missed our calling as the church. What I love about this is this little slave girl models the actual teaching of Jesus 900 years before he ever even said these words. Luke 6, 28, he says, bless those who curse you. That's hard, yeah? Pray for those who abuse you. Verse 35 in Luke 6. It says, love your enemies and do good. Just so you know that do good is connected to your enemies. Do good to your enemies. Expect nothing in return and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. What I want you to see in this passage is this last line where it says, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. This is us. You get that, right? So this passage is saying, do this because this is what God has done for you. So now you extend grace to others the way God has extended grace to you. And you know how God has extended grace to us. While we were his enemies, he died for us. I don't know that you can get any more of a drastic movement of love and compassion and forgiveness and care. Be kind to people just as God is kind to us because we are the ones who are ungrateful. We are the ones who are evil. Love, do good. Be like Jesus. What's our mission statement here at Grace? We are, yeah, live like Jesus, think like Jesus, love like Jesus. So this little slave girl, she shows us great faith, she displays radical love, she offers uncommon forgiveness, and she walks with incredible courage. Like when I think about the story, I, I don't know what the ramifications could have been, but think about it, what if he wasn't healed? She might have been in for a serious beating. I mean, I'm just saying, like, if he'd come back and that didn't work, it could have gone pretty bad for her. Or what if just the fact that she brought up this God Yahweh and this prophet of this God Yahweh, and that's not who they worship. What if that in itself was just enough to bring about some kind of punishment? But she she was so bold, right? And, And what I love about it is she's so gentle in the way she says it, and she just offers a picture of hope to Naaman. So as I was studying this, I just immediately started to think about 1 Peter. A lot of you know this passage, but it says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But then there's this kicker on the end. It says, but do it with gentleness and respect. Man, I wish we could learn this. I don't see a lot of this in social media. Gentleness and respect is probably not what I see when I read posts when people are upset about how people leave. But, but this is the key. Always be prepared to give to everyone a reason for your hope. Don't tell them where they're screwed up. Don't tell them where they're sinners. Don't tell them why they're all going to hell. Don't tell them why they got it all wrong. Tell them why you have hope. Tell them your story of God and how God has given you hope. And every time you do it, do it with gentleness and respect. I know I say this often, but why do we expect the world who is not following Jesus to act like Jesus? They're not following Jesus. So why do we lay that that trip on them like, you gotta just act like this? They're not gonna act like that because for the matter of fact, we don't even act like that. 
right? We don't even do a very good job of acting like Jesus. And so when I, when I read stuff right now, I'm just like, why would anyone who doesn't know Jesus choose Jesus when they're looking at the way we behave? There's not a lot of gentleness. There's not a lot of respect. But always be prepared to share the hope that you have. Don't judge. Leave that up to God. All right. To be courageous is to speak with gentleness and, res- and respect and to share the hope that you have. And when you do that, you have a chance to be one of those unsung heroes. So we see this slave girl. She shows great faith, radical love, uncommon forgiveness, incredible courage, always pre-prepared to, to give an answer. And here's the amazing thing about the story, and we didn't even read this, but, but she actually overcomes her oppressor. She actually becomes the one who overcomes the pain and the difficulty of her life. Romans 12, 21 is this picture of, of what God calls us to do. It says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We're not called to endure evil. We're not called to accept evil. We're not called to say, well, it's just the way it is. It's just gonna happen. We are actually called to overcome evil. And the only way to overcome evil is with good. It's when you bring light into the darkness. It's this beautiful picture of the fact that we have a chance to win in these situations. When we get this right, it radically transforms people around us. It radically transformed Naaman. So if you look down to verse 17, if you still have your Bibles open, if you don't, it'll pop up on the screen. These are the words of Naaman. After he, he dips himself in the Jordan and he's cleansed and his, his skin becomes like a, a baby. I'm thinking about going to the Jordan and doing that. My skin's getting wrinklier and wrinklier. If it works, I'm all for it. Skin like a baby sounds good right now. But anyway, he dips himself, he's cured. And he says these words, from now on, your servant, the Syrian warrior, that servant, will not offer burnt offerings or sacrifice to any God but the Lord. The word Lord there is Yahweh. The man of valor who was a leper is healed. The enemy becomes a brother. Her captor becomes her brother. In the Lord, you get that, right? It's a beautiful picture of what happens when we live into the calling that God has for us. So my challenge to you today is be more like the little slave girl. Radical love, radical forgiveness, right? Radical courage. Let's pray. Lord, I... I don't know why, but man, you have just captured my imagination with this young girl. How much I have to learn as a follower of Jesus from this girl whose heart seems so soft, even though she's endured so much. And I know right now in this room, there are people who have endured way more than I have. Hardship, oppression, hatred, Lord, I just pray that we would release our bitterness, that we would release our unforgiveness. Lord, I pray that you would show us how to be a blessing to everyone, how you would show us how to be a blessing to our our community, to our neighbors, to our family members who have hurt us so deeply. Show us how to speak words of blessing, to be carriers of hope, 
Show us how to do it with gentleness and respect. Lord, may we be the church you've called us to be right here at Barassa 994. But I pray for Arc Detroit. I pray that this would just be a movement uh, that just blows these leaders away. I pray that it would be more than they can ask, think, or imagine according to the power of the Spirit that's working through them. I pray that you would continue to show us how to uh, love well. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things we heard as we prayed for you this morning is that there's some people who are struggling in relationships, uh, maybe looking for a particular uh, person, man or woman, and it's been a journey for you and singleness has been difficult. If that's you and that resonates and you want somebody to pray for you, it's great. Uh, we encourage you if you have any kind of physical ailments and you want us to pray for you, the scriptures say come, allow people to lay hands on you and pray, and we can do that for you as well down here, but we're just glad that you're here today. If you need anything, feel free to come down. Otherwise, have a great Sunday. And go blue.